it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Iwoo Hoops presents The Pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwoo Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to episode 20 of The Pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, and I'm one of the basketball coaches at Indiana Wesleyan. As you hear at halftime of every episode, IW Hoops believes that I Am Third can work in any context. The slogan itself may not be the same, and the way it plays out might be different. But the pursuit of God first, others second, and yourself third is always the best way to live and to lead. Today, we're going to be talking about I Am Third in different contexts. In the first half, three of IWU's greatest leaders will join and give insight into I Am Third leadership. President David Wright, Athletic Director Mark DeMichael, and Coach Greg Tonegal will all reflect on the team's championship run and how different teams, departments, and leaders across IWU's campus make it a habit of pursuing three. In the second half, our sponsor, IMG President Trent Daly, will join to talk about IM Third leadership in a business setting. These are four of the greatest leaders I've ever been around, and I can tell you from experience that at a heart level, all of them have a passion to be IM Third leaders. So I know you will take a lot of insight away from this episode, and you won't find it in a lot of other places. Enjoy. We're joined now by Coach Greg Tonegal, Athletic Director Mark DeMichael, and President David Wright on this episode of The Pursuit. Uh, guys, we're going to go inside the morning of the national championship game. Coach Tonegal, why don't we start with you and just allow you to set up what happened for the listeners. So we were uh, scouting um, the St. Francis game. Um, was, whoever won that game, we were going to play next. And I, I remember sitting there as the game rolled on, St. Francis built the lead. It became apparent. We, we knew who our opponent was going to be for the national championship. And we walked out of that arena, and, and thankfully we'd had a – I guess an understanding of what we wanted to pursue that next day because of what happened in 2014, 2016, when we won our national championships. And I think it's moments like these where for us, it was the biggest day of our lives, the biggest day of the year. All of our work had gone into this national championship, but our hearts were crying for something greater. And we said, you know, what? we're going to wake up and we're going to worship. And we didn't really know what that looked like. We knew we were going to gather. We knew we had to get a lot of people in the room who had influence in our lives and in, our, in the team's lives throughout the entire year. And we just wanted to give God some glory. And, and to be honest, after a week of, of how intense that is and exhausting it is, it's so uh, refreshing to be able to do that. You just want to pour out rather than sit there and think about the game, watch more video. And, and that's exactly what happened. And, and I'll, I'll pause you there before you complete the story and rewind, because there's been multiple times in our program's history where we get to a moment like this. It's the biggest moment for our guys <laughs> And this is when your true colors show. And I think back to 2016 when we played St. Francis for the first time and our guys decided to pray for St. Francis and the game the next day. And that's what's so fun to, to see our guys emerge in leadership and see them really catch fire spiritually. So as, as we entered into this time that morning, that was on the forefront of our prayers. But can you just share about what happened uh, that morning and specifically what you saw in the guys? Yes, we just started sending texts out to anybody and everybody who was who had made the trip out to South Dakota and said, hey, look, we're going to gather, we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate the entire year because obviously we're at a point of destination, but man, the, the reward in coaching is the journey and, and the reward in discipleship is the journey. So we what we wanted to do was focus on the journey. What what had happened? What had God done? What had he spoken? 
And we kind of gave our players a heads up and said, hey, when you come in tomorrow, just be ready to tell the story, be ready to celebrate. And we just opened up the mic one by one. And, uh, man, there were some really neat stories. I mean, I think of Billy, the manager, when he got <laughs> up, probably my favorite. He opens up and says, I know I'm just a manager, so I'll keep it short. But then told just an amazing story of how his teammates had helped transform his life throughout the entire year. And I walked out of that time, and I, I don't know if I told you this or my dad who had happened to be there. I said, I don't really care what happens tonight. Mm. I mean, my heart has been filled. Tonight is about going out and, and, and not trying to receive anything because we've already received whatever God has desired for us. Tonight's about going and worshiping and giving and letting go. And I think that's what our team did. I mean, to play that fifth game in six days, but to go out there in total freedom it happens because you had a moment like that where you worshiped and your heart was pursuing the right things. I mean, we talk a lot about I'm third, and I, I don't ever want it to be just a catchy slogan. I mean, it really is God first. So when you wake up in the morning of your national championship game and you put God first, you're living out what, what you've said all year long. And we've heard the phrase, man, I've got a good throughout the podcast. And that's what you opened up with. Who's got, who's got a good? And uh, what's remarkable in 10 years when many of us think back to winning the national championship, what we'll remember was the manager, Billy, who stood up that day and what he shared. Not the championship, not cutting down the nets, but what he shared. That will be the moment that defines the day. But but another one, Coach DeMichael, when you stood up, you, you articulated a vision of athletics and how this represented so much of what we believe at Indiana Wesleyan should happen through athletics. And it's something that I actually heard from an athletic director that day that he was listening. We, we showed it to some trusted friends on YouTube. He was listening, and it resonated so deeply with him. So could you take us inside both what you saw that morning, but then also what you had to say? Yeah, and I always look forward to these these team meetings, uh, worship times before national championship games. It was there in 16 when the, the Spirit was so present mm-hmm. in that prayer time and saw him moving in just miraculous ways in the lives of the players that year and the coaches. And that's still a, a memory that's imprinted on my brain that, that will be there forever in my heart so I, I went into this with anticipation obviously because <laughs> I've seen the Lord work so many times and then to sit and listen to the man I got a good testimonies from the manager to players to members of the coaching staff to fathers um, to our president to get up and share about the work God was doing through IW men's basketball in their lives whether it was on the court off the court but it was all related to their spiritual growth and, and how they looked upon this sport that they love so much, how it had changed their life. That had nothing to do with how many times the ball goes in the basket. And as I sat there and listened, was inspired, and I was just praying and, and um, just felt really prompted. The Lord just said to me, this is how I intended intercollegiate athletics to work. Hmm. And as you hear so much from coaches and in our department, we talk about our, our part of our mission is to be counterculture. And it's true, I am third is counterculture in the world of intercollegiate athletics in this in this world. And we talk about turning that upside down. Well, in, in reality, you know, we are turning it upside down in the world's definition, but but it's right side up when it comes to God's definition mm-hmm. of how intercollegiate athletics works. And that's the core and the foundation of who we are. And I knew, I knew that at that meeting was going on and kind of to resonate what, what Greg said, um, as we finished, there was just a real peace and joy that I felt because... God was is working in this program way beyond the score on the on the court. He's working on eternal things, <clears throat> and that no matter what ended up that night, whether the scoreboard ended up, uh, the victory has already already been won mm. because of the transformation that took place. And whether we won or lost that game tonight, I knew 
that God was going to be glorified in what happened because of what was being shared that night and the transformational things that happened in the lives of the team and everyone even slightly resent connected to this program, <laughs> the work that God had done through that. It was just a, um, a memorable moment for me. President Wright, I want to get to your thoughts on, on what you were seeing. But before that, Coach Michael, what you say uh, really resonates. But I guess I got a question for you guys because after the game, Evan Maxwell came and said to Coach Tonegal and I, you know, if we hadn't done that this morning, cutting down the nets wouldn't have been nearly as fulfilling as I expected. So if that's true, why isn't this happening more? You said this is what intercollegiate athletics should be looking like. Why isn't that happening more at other places or other levels of athletics? I think because places are believing the lie. They're believing the lie that Satan gives them, that that the holes that we feel in our heart, the emptiness that we feel can be filled by worldly things. And athletics and winning can be a God just like an idol. It is an idol. And it is an idol for a large part of our uh, athletic world. Um, and in this country especially, it is something that people worship. And anything that we worship that is not the one and only true God is going to leave an emptiness in our hearts. And when we think we've ultimately achieved that goal that we thought was so important, the emptiness you feel at that because that thing cannot fill it. Hmm. The realization that this is not what I thought it was going to be. Um, we, the lies being believed. And part of what this is about and part of the calling I think we have is to try to refute that lie. And to say that there is a higher purpose for this, and it doesn't begin and end with the scoreboard, it begins and end with with the Lord and, and eternity. Hmm. Coach, to you often say that man I got a good is the great equalizer. I think that speaks directly to what Coach DeMichael just said. Could you just go go on a little bit more about what by what you mean? Yeah, I love it. We we often gather whether it's father son retreat or, or just with our guys, and I think it's a great equalizer because if you don't have much, it reminds you that you definitely have a lot. And if your priorities are in the wrong place, it reminds you what's valuable in life. And so to that, we say, man, we got it good. President Wright, it was an honor to have you there that morning, obviously. And you spoke, as Coach DeMichael said. But we get through the man, I got a good time. And Ben and Jacob, our two seniors, get up. And, and they take everyone that was in the crowd through what had happened during the year and how God had moved. Just be curious for you to unpack what you were seeing in that moment. Sure. Well, you know, guys, I, I've got to say uh, I'm a fan. Uh, so... Um, I really wanted to win that game. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I love basketball. I have for a long time, and I love watching our guys play, watching the way you guys work. Um, so, you know, from a fan standpoint, to get to sit with the coaches and the players uh, in their meeting before the national championship game, it's like, okay, now what am I going to hear? I, I'm going to get finally see the, the, the behind the scenes. How do you win a national championship? <laughs> and... Uh, and, of course, I, I got to be with you guys on, in 2016, so I knew a little bit what I was to expect. Uh, but, you know, as I, as I sat there and listened uh, to the young men, I really realized that what I was watching unfold is the epitome of what we attempt to do here at our university because what we say is we're a Christ-centered academic community committed to changing the world by developing students in character, scholarship, and leadership. Hmm. And what I saw created in that moment was that you as coaches and leaders for our program had created a context, you had created a set of expectations, you'd laid down a set of values of expectation, but in doing that, you didn't place the emphasis on yourselves as the leaders of the basketball team. 
and you didn't get up and draw plays. I know you do that, but you didn't uh, you didn't get up and talk about the way you were going to play defense. You didn't talk about the roles they were going to play. You got up and said, "Let's celebrate who we are and who we become." Hmm. And you gave a space for the young men to come forward and practice their own leadership of their team. And I know from watching our team play, I know that's the way you want them to play on the floor. So there's a very practical sense in, in that you you create on the floor a context for them to excel and get leadership. And I really think that starts from the way that you have done that in the relationships they have with each other and with the Lord. In that moment, what I saw was faculty and uh, coaches giving a context in which our young men could truly learn their character mm. and their leadership skills and practice those with each other. So when Ben started going through the year and talking about, you know, a, a word for each moment in time throughout the year, and then he knew his own players, his, his fellow players enough to know, I know that, Trevor, you had a moment when this word embodied you mm. and uh, Grant, you had a moment when this word embodied what was going on in your life. He was he was practicing leadership in a in a phenomenal way, and uh, so really the leadership that takes place on the floor was just a mirror of the leadership mm. that you had embodied in them with each other. And 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 to hear the the way in which their deep commitment to Christ shaped their character and their ability to. Uh, endure the hard times, the times of the year when we didn't succeed all that much and get ready for the times when we were going to succeed. You know, as a president now, not a fan, basketball fan, but president, I'm sitting there saying, thank God for this embodiment of the mission Hmm. that we're about. This concept of world changer is so powerful because you can put your hands around it and give you a vision for what you can become. What's the potential impact at a university when across campus there's different constituencies who are creating these contexts in order to develop leaders who can then go out and change the world. Yeah, you know, it just, uh, athletics is the venue for over 300 of our students on our campus, but but for the other 1,700, they have to have a different one. It's not, they won't learn these leadership and character skills in athletics, but they're gonna lean, learn, lean, learn them in other areas So, for example, Charlie Alcock runs our youth ministries program. And uh, his focus is all the kids that come into the youth ministries program, he's going to ensure that they have those same opportunities Mm -hmm. to practice leadership with their peers and in student ministries in other places. So he engineers the kind of games that you guys play uh, in terms of ministry opportunities through Fusion or Never Too Young or the uh, conferences that they put on for, uh, you know, top-tier churches and ministries all across our country. So those are their national championships. And you see that, so you see that happening in academic departments, or you see it in the the School of Physical and Applied Sciences, where uh, our students are challenged to do research, really at a level that, for many years, undergraduate students just didn't do research at this level. And they do it with godly faculty members who are challenging them to find uh, their sense of character, their sense of Christ-centered leadership, so that when they walk into one of uh, our country's top graduate programs uh, and do research on cancer or on alternative fuels or whatever it may be, that's their national championship, hmm. and they've had their opportunity in their discipline 
to practice leadership, to learn character, to develop as scholars uh, in a godly environment. So I see that happening all over the place. And it's really my prayer that that comes to characterize our university hmm. more than anything else. Hmm. We've been talking a lot throughout the pursuit about context and how I am third can really translate to any context. And you articulated that well there. And I think it's important, Coach DeMichael, President Wright, to hear about you guys as fans. So you watch the game, and the last thing that we would do anyone who's trying to lead for Christ well is that we just sit in a hotel and pray for 20 hours and then go play a game. There's a lot of film that's watched. There's a lot of practice. There's a lot of preparation. So as fans, what did you guys see play out on the court that night? Uh, joy. I mean, you know, that's that's what I saw, and I know that was the word, so I'm sorry you used the buzzword, but it really did. I mean, that joy is not a word owned by IWU, that's for sure. That's It's in God's word. And what you saw was a group that, you know, I'm in this, so I, I see, I know that the importance of game planning and playing defense, and um, God calls us to be uh, boots on the earth, get the job done. We don't sit around and pray and everything just happens. He calls us to be men and women of action and to develop the gifts he's given us to the maximum ability, and part of that is practice and, and game planning. So to see all that come, come into play that night, but the different, every St. Francis did that too. Everybody does that. Anybody coaching knows what they're doing does that stuff. What I saw was the difference maker um, was the freedom. Hmm. There's, there's a, a level of freedom that comes when your identity hmm. and your value is not caught up in the scoreboard and how many points you score. It's, it's in something way bigger and way more important. And that provides a fearlessness and a, a freedom and a joy in competing that um, can take you to a level that you can't get to without that freedom and joy. And that's what I saw that night. And it doesn't always mean we're going to score more points than the other team. But I'm pretty competitive. I was really happy that we won. <laughs> that night didn't lose. Yeah, you know, I, you get to know these guys and you you see them develop. And uh, a couple weeks ago, Ben Carlson walked across the stage and shook my hand and I gave him his diploma. And i got to be honest, it took, me, it took me two or three minutes to compose myself. <laughs> I just thought, how much I'm going to miss Ben. And that's the feeling I have when I watch the guys play. I mean, it's just a sense of admiration, respect, and, and, and genuinely love for, the, for these young men for what they've accomplished and the way they, they play their hearts out. But I think, you know, that moment in time when, when the game was in the balance and you, you called a timeout, and uh, I don't know exactly what you said, but I think you said you didn't drop a play. You said something about we're not having enough fun or something like that. We're going to play with joy. We're going to play with joy. And uh, I was watching you and I was watching the huddle and I knew something significant had happened right then, but it, obviously I wasn't close enough to hear what it was. And, uh, it, you know, what you guys do with our team reminds me of something I learned a long time ago when I was in graduate school. I used to drive school bus and I, I would drive the activity bus after school. So these were the coaches and their teams. And, uh, and then I would drive them to games. And uh, we drove for several different school districts. And... I'd have a team come on the bus, and sometimes the team would be so tight, you could cut the atmosphere with a knife, and the coach would come in with a scowl on his face, and, and the players, I mean, this, obviously they were scared to death, and they didn't like each other, they weren't having fun. And then I'd have other teams get on the bus, and they were loose, they were having fun, they were joking with each other, uh, they were disciplined, they, they comported themselves appropriately, they talked to their coaches, those are the teams that when I go watch them play, they won. <laughs> the teams that were scared to death and tight as could be, when the chips were down, you know, they fell apart. 
And I thought that was years ago, and I'm not a coach, but I thought, man, if I ever get to run a team, mm -hmm. I know which kind of team I want. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what I see. You know, and that comes from hard work and discipline. It comes from the hours of investing you know, in body and soul and spirit that allows you to have that self-respect you know, and that freedom. So that's what I watch when I, when I watch our guys go out on the floor. I watch their eyes, try to see you know, what are they think. <laughs> uh, are they intimidated when they walk out there? Are, are they confident in themselves? And that's what I love about our teams because I, <laughs> I see that confidence. Coach T, how about final word on that? Dr. Wright just described fearless. So how do you connect what happened that morning to the concept of going and playing in freedom with joy and being fearless? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, for me personally, and I think you'd probably echo this, coaching has come down to two factors, and I constantly ask myself is, how am I unifying hearts and how am I creating fearless minds? And so whether that's strategy, um, are we giving our guys too much? That locks up their minds. Are we yelling at our guys too much? That, you know, freezes their hearts. So we're constantly asking those two things. And I think that's a leadership that goes, it doesn't matter if you're a coach. You could be a teacher. You could be a CEO. You got to be able to assess your people's hearts, and that you do that by living in relationship. You got to understand: are they fearless? Can can they go compete? Can they go um, do their work at a, a very high level? And as you know your people and live with them, and you care for them, and you can unlock that, as we talked about, I think in an earlier episode, I think you're unlocking greatness and the potential for greatness. And I think this institution is about creating world changers, which I think another definition is just greatness. It's kingdom greatness, sending people out who want to do great things for the kingdom and want to make a difference. And I think we're just one very small piece of that. Next episode, we're going to be bringing on several players and we're going to talk about the game itself and what they were experiencing, but also the big plays that happened. And it's important for listeners to connect what happened today, what we talked about, and then what the players talk about next time. This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an I Am Third culture and a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group, who is building a culture of I Am Third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG President Trent Daly. Pursuing the I Am Third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.insmgt.com. Now back to the second half. We're back for the second half with Trent Daly. Listeners have been hearing from Trent, the president of IMG, the entire season at halftime, but we're going to bring him on to continue the conversation that started in the first half about the championship run and context, what I Am Third looks like in different contexts. But Trent, I, I think back to the pursuit of three all the way to last April and May, and we're getting deeper in the recruitment of Evan Maxwell, and a group of guys gathered in the locker room and just had a time of prayer asking God to, to show us the way forward with Evan and to think if we fast forwarded 12 months to see Evan's growth and the growth of the team and the way that he really impacted the season, I don't think any of us could have predicted it. No, it was, it was an exciting journey just to uh, be, be involved in that process and the way that you guys pray for the recruits. And, and it wasn't a prayer of make Evan come here. It was a true, we want to, they were praying for what, 
what's best for Evan and that God would show him the way that was going to help him grow. So from the very beginning, it was a very unique approach to recruiting and, and just how um, passionate they are about the growth of these individuals. Now, you really journeyed through this entire season with us, going on the father-son retreat, encouraging us. We really had a relationship where you're leading a business, we're leading a basketball team, and we share ideas, we share struggles, we share growth. What did you see from the team as you were able to go on the inside and, and see the growth of the guys and really be part of the journey? Yeah, I, I, I think it makes sense for me to start with um, what kind of brought me into the team. So I grew up playing athletics and um, the traditional uh, coach, who, you know, focused on performance, um, and I just saw something different. I I've never seen an organization really pour into the players uh, from a level of they truly care about them more than they do um, winning. And it was it was to help them to be better men. It was eventually fathers. It was pursuing God. Uh, it was just so so unique. So I, I was drawn in right away. Um, it was a fun journey for me. I, I thought, well, if I want to experience this, I get up and, and did a few of the, uh, workouts in the morning. Um, I'll never forget the one where it was pouring down rain. That, that, that was a treat. Um, and then I, you know, getting to take my son on the father son retreat was, was another thing where just being surrounded, you know, as a father, um, if my kids were in this situation, I would be, you know, extremely happy. So I feel like, the coaches in general um, just have the betterment of the players, and, and I think that makes all the difference in the world. One of the things that we love to do is try to connect our guys to godly men who are pursuing the I Am Third Life in different contexts. So you're a great example. Jacob Johnson has a passion for business. He has an entrepreneurial mind. For us, you can speak truth into his life in a way that we can't. Then if he sees you out at 6 a.m. flipping a tire and jumping on boxes, there's probably a deeper level of respect that happens and in our mind, that's a win-win for everybody. So maybe you could take us through a little bit of what you saw in Jacob this season as you guys developed a deeper relationship, and he went through the journey of the season. Yeah, um, love love Jacob. Got to know him more than most of the players. We spent a lot of time together, um, followed up by an internship here at IMG. And uh, he's got a great mind. He's got a great heart. Uh, what he wants to do and what's, what he wants to build and build a company and give away most of the profits. Uh, it's exciting for me as a business leader to know that that's still out there. But you not only encouraged Jacob, I can also think of times where you being in a position of leadership encouraged us. So I think back to the three-game losing streak. And as a coach, sometimes you're in the midst of those struggles and you feel like you forgot everything you knew about the game. You think you might never win a game again the rest of your career. I remember telling my wife, Surely I was in the wrong profession. And you were able to bring some perspective through that time. And I think really James 1 specifically was something that as we journeyed through this year together, we, we grew in. Maybe you could talk a little bit about just the way we, we grew in learning to respond to trials. I think that goes both ways. Um, what, what Jeff hasn't mentioned is a few months prior to that in, in uh, July, I broke my ankle. And uh, it was right before training for a big race, and I was pretty discouraged. And uh, Jeff was the one that introduced me to James One, and really trying to um, find joy during times of, of trials and disappointment. And I remember they went on the three-game losing streak. It was a tough time, um, and I there was one night that I just felt compelled to reach out, and I, <laughs> I actually reached out to Jeff and Greg both, and had a conversation, and they were in a a tough spot because it's really hard to find the joy when you're in the middle of it. 
And I think one thing to take from that is is this journey of life and, and this discipleship is something that we do in community. Um, and walking alongside you guys and what you do and you walking alongside me when I come into things um, has been a, a blessing and a prayer answer for me. There really is a shared struggle that we go through as leaders and at times as men it feels like we need to put on a a bulletproof vest and act like we have everything figured out but to be able to pursue three with other men is a game changer so maybe you could talk about that in a in a business context as you've grown in the pursuit of im3 what does that look like as you lead a business yeah i think it's changed my perspective on what i value most you know in a business world business setting um you talk to consultants and it's really they're focusing on generally profit and performance. You know, sales has got to be here. And those are key components to any business. But I, I feel if you focus on people, um, culture, and some other things, um, it actually takes care of the profit and performance piece. So it's really shaped the way that I look at business and how I run my business. Let's say there's business people out there who have been listening, whether it's the entire podcast or this episode specifically, and they have a hunger to pursue the I Am Third life as they lead, but they don't know how to get there. What do you think a good first step would be? I would go back to community. Um, When we got together, I I spent a lot of time praying to to walk alongside uh, men of God, and um, I was blessed with uh, this whole coaching staff that has poured into me as well as the whole team. Um, I'll remember there was a few of the players before one of a different race that came out and prayed for me, you know, in the hallway and just seeing that. So I would say, you know, humility is a big, a big part of it. Um, being willing to admit you're not perfect. I know that's hard for us business owners and, uh, find that community around you because again, this is a journey. Um, it's not something you just start and then you want it to, you know, it's going to take off. You just got to continually work, work at it and you got to work at it with, uh, other people that see the world the way you do. A few minutes ago, you brought up the word joy when you were talking about James Wan. Maybe we should go back to the day of the national championship game and the whole run, because you happened to be out in South Dakota with us, and you were providing encouragement to us as the coaches, to our players. What did you see during the national title run that was unique when you could be behind the, the closed doors? Um, I would say the night before, so you get back, you realize you're in the final game and they get in a room and like, okay, how's this going to go? And, and, uh, you guys like, let's pray for the other team. Let's, let's genuinely pray for them, for their well being. And I was just, again, I'm never surprised anymore, but just the way that you pursue God above anything else. And then we wake up the next day and, you know, a similar pursuit of joy and happiness and um, the fathers and the sons in the room. And, and, and I'll even go, go to the final game. I'll never forget. I was sitting behind the bench. Um, team was in a pretty good spot. There was a couple minutes left and uh, Greg calls a timeout, gets in a huddle there, kind of looks at the team a few minutes. You're up a couple points with a few minutes left. And he's like, uh, guys, uh, don't something to the sense of, it doesn't look like we're pursuing joy out there. You know, you're you're thinking of, oh, you can talk about X's and O's. And again, it was always about joy. So throughout that whole run, um, it was inspiring to hear a lot of the players after they won the national championship. That wasn't the best part of the day. It was defined that morning. And um, man, it was like being on a retreat for me. So I come back from things like that, just really energized, um, encouraged. I know in the business world, sometimes it can be lonely, whether it's colleagues or other people, especially when you're pursuing Christ 
above and beyond anything else. So um, it's just encouraging. Surround yourself with people um, that are going to make you better, that are going to invest in you, and um, that's where I'd probably start. Last thing, Trent. We never want to give the wrong impression. We talked about this in the first half where we pray 20 hours a day and then we show up on the basketball court. And I know it's the same thing for you as you pursue I Am Third in business. You work hard. You make tough decisions. You're aggressive in growing your business. But you're also pursuing I Am Third. It's not just let's pray a lot and God's going to make stuff happen. We walk alongside that and we pursue excellence. How do you find that balance as you try to pursue an identity in Christ but you also are driven naturally to be excellent in business and, and to grow your company. Yeah, that's a that's a really tough balance because a lot of times we tend to find our identity in performance or, or in the things that that we're doing. But when we look at our businesses, we do um, we are good at what we do. We do focus on excellence. But I think there's a way of doing that and working with people um, and pursuing God. I, I don't believe that those um, that I think they appear to conflict but i don't believe they actually do i love that perspective because there's there's really truth in that sometimes we can be given a false impression that if if we're pursuing god then performance and success doesn't matter but ultimately there's a lot of people that wouldn't be listening to this podcast if we hadn't won through the last five national titles the title isn't the point the pursuit of god is but we believe as we pursue god first and others second it works in different contexts and you can become the best business leader you can be and you can find more fulfillment in that pursuit. You can become the best coach you can be, the best professor you can be. Whatever your context is, there's a greatness that can be found as you surrender yourself fully to put God first, others second, and yourself third. Next time, we're going to talk about being fearless. In the first half, Grant Smith is going to talk about having a fearless mentality when your name is called during a timeout in a key moment of the national title game. I caught the ball on the right wing, and I kind of just told myself, I was like, okay, I'm going to try to make a play, but nothing special. And I drove right, and I felt him like right on my hip, so I just crossed over, and uh, he actually fell, and I went and got an and one. Um, so I, I happened to make the play that time, but it could have been anybody. Then, Coach Tonegal will join to talk about where the concept of fearless started, and how it has grown in the program over time. He will share why he believes that greatness favors the fearless. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. If you have a question you would like to ask IWU Hoops on a future episode, Hashtag ask Hoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Hoops. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third.